Hey movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 127. So, if you haven't noticed, a lot of what I'm going to call legacy characters have really been brought to the forefront in recent years, whether it's people like Miles Morales, now Sam Wilson as Captain America. Uh, what I mean by legacy characters is basically any comic book character that is not the original incarnation of a mantle that's been passed down of we know superman to be clark kent well if someone else was superman or someone else was batman besides bruce wayne sometimes that works really really well like the case of miles morales sometimes it really really doesn't and so now that we're seeing more and more of these like legacy-esque characters as hollywood's running out of ideas for the big name boys for most of the time um we thought we'd talk about the pros and the cons of these legacy characters as we're seeing more and more of them lately but before we get into all that josh how you doing tonight i'm doing good buddy how are you doing uh i can't complain i i can feel good wearing this rockies jersey again yes we are eight and 14 <laughs> we are eight and 14 but we just fired our gm and got a team president for the first time in like a decade because our owner was acting as team president, which is never a good idea. Yeah, your owner should that's not be involved so with day-to-day weird. decisions. He should be the one signing the check, and that's about it. But in order for us to move on and rebuild, we actually have to acknowledge that we need to rebuild. So our former GM basically did nothing. And doing nothing sometimes does a whole heck of a lot more damage than making bad trades. And rest assured... He made yeah. some bad deals, but to make no deals at all because you're worried about making the wrong deals actually makes things worse. In his, like, yeah. seven years with us, we signed some big-name people towards the beginning of it, and then when those people didn't work out, he didn't sign anybody else. And so even World Series-winning teams that go 162-0 still make personnel changes in the offseason. Nope, not this guy. We believed in our team, quote unquote, but now he's been relieved of duty. I don't care that we're still losing. It gives me hope of, okay, at least we can acknowledge now that there's a problem. And then if you acknowledge the problem, that's the first step in fixing the problem. Absolutely. But you would know about that. You're an Astros fan. Yeah, you know, we had the best team two years in a row. Whatever. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. We didn't. It doesn't. It doesn't matter if we cheated. It's fine. Everything's oh, fine. I was referring to those many, many years where you guys are the Lastros and oh, no one ever wanted to acknowledge goodness. you guys. I feel so bad for Lance Berkman. He should be a Hall of Famer, but he spent so many Lance bad years Berkman, with the Astros. B- oh, there's so many. Like Biggio. Lance Berkman, Craig Biggio, like Bijou, like so many like great Astros would never be in the Fun Hall fact, of Fun fact, uh, Craig Biggio all... got his 3,000th um, career hit against the Rockies. And I feel like there's a Biggio Jr. now, isn't funny. there? Isn't there a Biggio Jr.? I have no idea. Um, besides baseball-related stuff, you watch you, anything, you Josh? You to me like I want. <laughs> okay, so I <laughs> finally... Um, caught up with invincible okay right and just in time for the season finale yeah bro oh episode seven was like oh it it's literally they've they've packed three volumes of comics into seven episodes so in my opinion it's it's been done very well it's getting a second season correct 
it better with how this season is is ending. Like, oh my goodness. Um, but yeah, no. As far as I'm aware, I should be getting a second season. But it's pretty good. It, it's pretty good. I'm pretty pretty proud of it. Um, I watched this afternoon before we got on the call. Actually, um, I watched Guns Akimbo. With Ooh, that's in my to queue. That's in my to watch for a while. Um. Oh boy. <laughs> it's not bad. It's very weird and very like. I don't know how to say this. Um, Daniel Radcliffe is doing everything he can to make sure that you don't remember him as Harry Potter. And I'm really kind of here for it. For those that don't know, um, just a general synopsis of Guns Akimbo is basically Daniel Radcliffe, the boy who lived, wakes up one day with guns for hands and go from there, basically. I mean, um, the weird thing is, I wouldn't even say this more, is his weirdest performance. I've seen uh, Swiss no, Army Man. Yeah, That's absolutely. probably his think, weirdest. Yeah, Swiss Army Man is, is is definitely his weirdest. But like, there's definitely more to the story than him just waking up with guns for hands. Um, I kind of like it. I see what they're doing. Uh, it it's just weird. And sometimes, like, they say some really like gross, offensive things just to say gross, offensive things. Um, so there's that. <laughs> okay oh um, yeah it's it's interesting to say the least so um looking over my list heather had a wedding this past weekend to go to um some of that i kind of know but i didn't really need to be there for this wedding so i caught up on a lot of movies um i watched mortal Kombat. not very yeah. good if you want my full thoughts on that <laughs> there's a i have my posted my mortal Kombat. um review i think the script is atrocious the editing is atrocious but at least some of the fights are varied and entertaining enough that you can have fun with it it's probably like a five and a half a six out of ten it's not spectacular but the bar is so low for video game movies currently it wasn't particularly great um because it for some reason you know how like when you're watching youtube random videos would be suggested to you like this movie had yeah. random clips suggested to me. Maybe it's because my company's been working on NFL draft package stuff that clips for the movie Draft Day starring Kevin Costner kept popping up. I'm like, all right, I liked Moneyball. I'll watch Draft Day. Draft Day is basically a poor man's Moneyball, except Draft Day is 100% yeah. fictitious, whereas Moneyball actually happened. So Draft Day is Kevin Costner is the GM of the Cleveland Browns, and they have first overall pick in the draft this year and everyone's going oh what do we do what do we do and it's like day of and it's just not that interesting compared to Moneyball. one be- since it's not real you can't get invested in this like i don't care how the browns are gonna do i love chadwick boseman he's in it as one of the prospects that they're looking at drafting first he's just kind of there it's all very bizarre considering it's by ivan reitman of all people the same guy that did ghostbusters um, but the part that was okay. just like, um, wait, wait, you want me to get on board with this? Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. I did read this right. Cause I was so confused when I first introduced this element that Kevin Costner is the GM. He's having an affair and in a serious relationship with his secretary, Jennifer Gardner, who, yes, I had to Google it during the movie. I'm like, uh, guys, Kevin's old enough to be her dad. I like both Kevin Costner and Jennifer Gardner. 
But the two of them together is a very uncomfortable pairing here. Just when you think about it for more than like two yeah. seconds. Uh, it's also got Dennis Leary as the head coach. He's fine. Tom Welling, for some reason, as the quarterback, thinking he might be replaced in this draft. Um, David Ramsey from Arrow. It's a weird cast. It's not a particularly good movie. I would it'd be much rather watch Moneyball. also watched um, The Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Re- really overrated. Like, yeah. Like, everyone complained about the runtime. It's it's three hours. Actually, the runtime didn't bother me. I think it, it's paced very, very well. Yeah. Um. However, I remember when we were in college, everyone was just like, it's glorifying um, yeah. materialism. And then the filmmaker's like, it really doesn't because you see his downfall. Normally, I think Christians are overreactionary to movies. However, in this case, I think they're kind of right because the movie's just like, look how cool it is to be rich. And he really doesn't get penalized that bad at the end of the movie. Like, it's just like, look how cool being rich is. And then there's no real repercussions to, like, show his downfall or whatever. It's just like, you gotta, for him at least, he got a slap, slight slap on the wrist. Like, there was no hero's downfall type of situation. I was like, oh. So you basically are saying how cool it is to be rich and everything else. It was just, eh. Like, yeah. people hyped it up for so long, and I think it's really overrated. And I didn't think Leo, it was one of Leo's better performances. I know some people are like, this is what he should have got the Academy Award for. So I'm like, mm, no. I've heard the real Jordan Belfort, and he does a pretty good job of imitating him, but it's not right quite there. Uh, another one that, from college, I know certain songs by heart because people would play this ridiculously a lot, but I never actually saw the movie until now. Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny. Yeah! Um, this one went by That's so good. fast. I remember as I'm watching it, pause it. I'm like, oh, wow, I'm already halfway done with this movie. It's not bad. Definitely not one of Jack Black's better performances, but it, you're really there for that final song against the devil. That's about it. Uh, the rest of the movie mm-hmm. is just kind mm-hmm. of Absolutely. fine. It's not bad. It's just I don't think my favorite Jack Black movie. And that's saying something because I quite enjoy quite a bit of Jack Black movies. Uh, I watched Wolf of Wall Street, Tenacious D, and his last movie, All in One Day. It's the oddest triple header you'll ever have. But 2016's Blair Witch, which you have been recommending to me for quite a long time. Yes. Um, yes. The movie as a whole felt like the production value was too high for a Blair Witch movie. Like, if it didn't have Blair Witch attached to it and it was just kids in the woods, maybe I would like it a little better. Because the performances aren't bad, but it doesn't have this grungy, grimy feel that it should for a found footage movie. There's quite a few times that I'm going, wait, how are we getting this angle? Because, like, we see the person inspecting this character's wounds, so we know what their camera angle should be. Where is this, like, weird random shot from through the tent coming from? It wasn't overall that scary. That being said, spoiler alert, they finally get to the uh, house from the original Blair Witch. Oh my god. It's been so long since I've been so on the edge of my seat in a horror movie. Like, watching it, I understood why they turned it into a video game. Because it felt very video game-esque. It reminded me a lot of P.T. Rest in peace, P.T. We wish you were real. Um, (laughs) but that was so good and they showed just the right amount of the witch because I thought we see it quick when they're in the house but I thought like the closing shot of the movie might be the witch again but we only get that one passing shot then it's then it's all in your head just like it should be thankfully 
That movie was directed by Adam Wingard, but it won't be the last time we talk about Adam Wingard today, actually, in some late-breaking news. But, um, yeah, I finally got around to watching Blair Witch, Josh. And Josh is frozen. Well, maybe we'll get him back at some point, but, yeah, I Yay. really liked 2016. There happy. he is. There he is. Yeah, it's... I'm, I'm, I'm a little frozen over here. That's all right. We got you. Oh, hey. There it is. Oh, hi. Maybe. Okay. This is weird. <laughs> this is what it's like to be in my brain. Yeah, it's so weird. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, yes. I, 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 the thing, too, is um, about the Blair Witch 2016 is just right in before... Because, like, up to a certain point, like, even I was, like, Guys, I think you're all just being scared for no reason. Like, there's nothing to really be scared of. And they get up close to the house, and you can catch you catch her in the background. And you're like, oh, wait, oh no. And then it goes into the finale, and it's just so good. Ugh. I will say though that the catalyst of the story is one of the characters is trying to find his older sister, who is one of the characters in the original movie. They're like looking through footage, and they're like, see, see this, see that. They're like pretending it's like this quick shot of them passing a mirror and there's someone in the mirror. I'm like, either I've watched enough horror movies to be able to catch that on the first viewing or it wasn't as shocking as you think of this footage that we were able to see this on the first viewing. Like he's watching this tape and then they're like, they run past a mirror and they're like, see, see, there was something in the mirror. I'm like, yeah, you held on that for a couple seconds. We we could catch on to that. But yes, we'll talk about Adam Wingard later as he seems to be carrying on some, some legacy, which is good. But... Before we get into that, we've got some other news to go over, and mm. it's better mm. than I was expecting, because um, we had thought that maybe, just maybe, with the success of uh, the Falcon Winter Soldier TV series, that we might be getting a season two. Well, we're not getting a season two anymore, doesn't look like it, at least, because we're too busy getting a gush darn falcon captain america movie oh i'm so so on board for this um so basically what's happening here as my transition is being super weird it's just freaking out okay it's uh it's it's really tired it's decided that it needs it's to take its time to roll across the stream screen oh there, there it goes okay yeah let's just that was weird so, we're just going to pretend that didn't happen. We're going to start that one over again for those people watching on YouTube. So, oh, our man. big, like, kicking us off news topic is we thought that a certain thing was going to be a continuation. The Falcon Winter Soldier series has been a huge success for Disney+. Plus, But we kind of anticipated that we were hoping at least that we would be getting a season two for it. Well, now it doesn't seem very likely that we'll be getting a season two. Instead, we'll be getting a movie. Oh, uh, apparently we are in early stages of getting a Captain America four with Sam Wilson as cap. Also, I guess spoiler alert for all these images that you're seeing now of, Falcon, yeah. not we gotta stop saying Falcon because he's not Falcon anymore. He's um, Captain America. Which baby. can we talk for a quick second about how good that suit looks? Like you could oh. not have been 
done a more accurate suit to the comics if you tried. It looks so good. I was kind of... There's more and more evidence to me that we were getting a uh, Falcon Winter Soldier Season 2 because they withdrew it from the limited series uh, category of the Emmys to the best drama series, so maybe it could continue on. I'm much more on board for this. I think this immediately, like, legitimizes Sam Wilson's Captain America of, no, no, he's not just a quote-unquote Disney Plus hero. He, we're putting our money where our mouth is, he is our Captain America now, and I'm so on board for this. It's... I've just been such a huge fan of Anthony Mackie as an actor for a really long time. Um, I know a lot of people were first introduced to him with 8 Mile, which there's a whole bunch of great 8 Mile jokes about something about like, um, oh, he did something about his kid finding out that he was the new Captain America and he post he did this really cute video of his kid didn't really initially realize that he was the new Cap and so he breaks down crying next day going, Dad, you're the new Captain America. And someone comments in the comment section, and his real name is Clarence, and his parents are doing fine. I'm like, oh, we really got to keep bringing back that. <laughs> um, but to me, this, alone. I've been a fan of his actually since a movie called The Adjustment Bureau, which I think is really, really underrated. Um, I'm so happy to see him finally in a leading man status because for a while there, he was almost like the the best guy to go to for your movie for supporting character. But he was always that supporting character and i'm so happy to see that no we're gonna genuinely make him the forefront he i don't know if necessarily he'll be leading the avengers but that's kind of what captain america does and i can dream harold josh you see not only do we have a new captain america which we kind of figured but we're getting a new captain america movie you down oh absolutely especially after that finale are you kidding me Especially after that finale. I mean, I don't know about you, but like, there were multiple moments where I was like, oh, oh, that was so cool. Oh, that was so cool. Like, over and over again. So I can only imagine, because we are getting this, it's with the same writers, correct? Yes, it is the same writers yeah. that are doing the series. So I, I'm so on board. They handled the show with such grace and such uh, balance. Like, I don't know, I don't know quite know what the words to use there, but like they, they did a very, very good job with the show. So let's, let's, you know, by all means, give them, give them the movie. Now, what do we think the role of um, Bucky will be? As uh, we saw at the end of the show, it now says Captain America and the Winter Soldier, to which some people are like, that should be the name of the movie. I'm going, no, um, guys, uh, you do realize they're already is a Captain America and the Winter Soldier movie, and it still is the best MCU movie. Yes. Like, um, we can't have two movies called Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Also, it kind of, to me, undercuts Bucky's narrative, because he seems so hell-bent on not being Winter Soldier anymore. Like, spoiler yes. alert, John Walker isn't Captain America either anymore. He's U.S. agent. Bucky, to me, at least needs a new alias. He's not Winter Soldier anymore. If we call him White Wolf, I'm, I'm fine with that. That would be cool. Captain America and the White Wolf, I, I'd i be down for that. I'm um, so down. That's I think exactly to me, exactly what I was thinking. To me, we got to leave the Winter Soldier in the past, but White Wolf could be the direction. I'd be down for that. Do you think we would have Bucky in this movie, or do you think we just full-on let Sam Wilson have the pedestal all to himself for his first movie? Um, I think Bucky 
is kind of i'm not going to say the word needs to be there but like i it's gonna feel weird if he's not just because of his presence throughout the his involvement involvement in sam's uh kind of acceptance of who uh who um oh geez Steve, who I was gonna, I kept I was like, who Chris Evans said he could be, um, but that doesn't that's, that's not how that works. Um, but uh, just there's no way to do this without Bucky, I think at this point. Also, I'm kind of here for you know that scene before the finale where him and where Sam and Bucky are kind of tossing the shield back and forth. Like I, Ooh. I kind of, I kind of need that, like on on a grander scale now, you know. So, <sighs> so. I did some brainstorming when this news dropped, which is always a dangerous thing. I'm going to combine some elements that are just kind of laying loose on the playground floor, on the uh, play floor, so to speak, in the MCU. You've got the original Captain America, Steve Rogers. You've got the scrolls somewhere in the corner. What if the scrolls take this opportunity to go, the whole world doesn't know that Captain America is an old man. We just know that he's not around. What if he's on a, the moon. What if there's a scroll that impersonates young Steve Rogers that the world knows and loves, but the only people that know something is off would be Sam and Bucky. So what if it's on them to go, okay, I need to clear the name of Captain America by beating, so to speak, the old Captain America who's actually a scroll. That way we can have evil scrolls, and it would be a personal story because they're the only ones that know something is off with this Captain America. We know Chris Evans is coming back to the MCU, supposedly, but we don't know what project it's for. I still think it might be for the Human Torch in Multiverse of Madness, just as a fun cameo. But mm. imagine Sam Wilson's Captain America versus Hydra agent Steve Rogers. He might be a scroll, but Hydra agent Steve Rogers. Then, instead of just joking Hail Hydra, you could have that actual moment from the comics that pissed off so many people, myself included. I think that could be a fun matchup there. Um, might be a little out of left field. I don't know what they're doing with the scrolls, but they're slowly but surely developing that uh, Secret Invasion cast, which is starting to come together really nice. Um, if it was up to you for a story perspective, Josh, where would you take Cap for? I mean, they've got me. I like Zemo now, so that's good. I, it's Zemo, the dancing. Uh, it's got to be the dancing. It's, it's, it's got to be the dancing. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. Um, hmm. Scrolls, maybe. Uh, does Sam Wilson have anything in particular that's that's his like his Captain America's villain? I don't know. I That's so, the thing. Right? Even then, with yeah. Captain America, there's not a lot of villains that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, besides Red Skull, or I don't know. It'd be interesting. We'll see what happens, man. Um, I'm kind of tired of hearing about Hydra because it feels like we're always coming back to Hydra. Um, so I would like something that that's maybe not. But then again, this is Captain America, so at least for me. Just make the villain a little better than Carly. Like, having mm-hmm. now seen all of, all of Falcon Winter Soldier, the Flag Smashers still didn't really do anything for me. Like, they were just kind of, eh. I, I don't know. That could just be me, though. They're um, means to an end, yeah. 
Now this next one. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. If I'm Netflix, I'm fuming right now. I'm throwing stuff against the wall because um, Sony. I thought we were exclusive is probably what Netflix is saying. We were in a relationship. We had a thing. And then you go and ruin that thing. So what we're talking about is Sony has signed a deal with Disney Plus a week after they signed a deal with Netflix to bring their content to Disney streaming services. Now, this could mean either uh, Disney Plus or I think this deal is more for the benefit of Hulu, actually, because there's a lot of Sony programming that will end up on Disney on Disney Plus eventually. I think the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, that will be perfect because you'll have the entire MCU on there. It's something we've been asking for forever. But there's a lot of other projects that some people will be like, oh, I can't wait for these to be on Disney Plus, like Jumanji or Ghostbusters. I don't see those going on Disney Plus. I think this was a move for the bolstering and the strengthening of Hulu more than anything else. Because Hulu is still... A strong third. It's Netflix, Disney Plus, and Hulu. Uh, maybe Hulu has more numbers than Disney Plus. I'm not sure. But at least in terms of perceived perception, I think right now Netflix is still the big dog than Disney Plus. And Hulu is still a part of the Disney brand. They have a majority stake in it. And if they're smart, they want to strengthen up both pillars, Disney Plus and Hulu. There's a mm-hmm. lot of... not. I don't want to say adult content for Sony, but content that might not be fit for disney plus and that's totally fine but would be perfect for hulu i know a lot of people are going into this going oh cool we've got spider-man and uh on disney plus soon but more importantly how because you just signed this deal with netflix so basically what this means is um there's a thing called the i'm trying to remember what the specific window is called but there's a window of time of you got your theatrical release and then you've got after that, who gets the streaming rights first? So once the Sony movies are done with their run in theaters, they will go to Netflix for 18 months. Then, after those 18 months, they'll go to Disney Plus or Hulu or whatever streaming service they want. So, technically, Disney Plus is not getting these Sony movies for a while. But the fact that they're all going to be there shows a very aggressive push from disney plus for me uh, we'll get into this more in a second but um josh were you stunned by this were you just like oh, oh yes yeah, disney just yeah. buying stuff no yeah because i remember you and i talking and i was like oh yeah, yeah okay cool so uh sony and netflix made a deal that makes sense that that's perfectly good for them um and then i saw uh, Say what? So this news not only on our little Google Doc, but also in Everywhere. the news. Whoa. Am I? Yeah, you're frozen. We can still hear you, though. Am I still glitching out? Okay, that's weird. All right. It's fine. It's not like you want to see my face anyway. Um, Josh is ghost. <laughs> but it's just, it's very confusing at first. Yeah, I am ghost. Um, it's confusing and it does feel like a power grab for Disney. And to me, it kind of, I'll say this too, I think it almost 
silences some of the rumors that maybe Disney and Sony are not willing to work together on things and blah, blah, blah. And like Mm -hmm. the future of Spider-Man is confusing. I mean, it's still confusing, but I I don't think it's as confusing now. I think this shows that Disney and Sony have have been working together on on lots and lots of deals. Yeah. I think this, at least to me, confirms that Tom Holland is not going anywhere in the MCU anytime soon, which actually might lend credibility to those rumors that I've heard for quite a few years now that given that they weren't from reliable sources, I didn't necessarily believe them. And I still don't know if I 100% believe them, but there's been rumors for a while that Disney's planning three Tom Holland trilogies. So we're going to have the ones that we have right now with Homecoming, Far From Home, and No Way Home when he's in high school. Then we'll have a trilogy of him in college, and we'll have a trilogy of him as an adult. To which I'm going, that seems a bit ambitious. But Spider-Man is the most marketable character in Marvel history. And it would make sense why he would get the most movies. And Tom is young enough that he would be able to do these uh, and with no Cap, well, no Steve Rogers, Captain America, no Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man, they're gonna need a flagpole, tentpole type character. Uh, Josh, I think has his hand raised. He's kind of blurry in and I, out. I have, I have. Sorry, I have, I have, I have uh, comment, teacher, teacher. I have comment. Um, so I rewatched um, the finale on Sun, like. What today? Today's Tuesday. Yeah, uh, on Sunday, a couple days ago, mm-hmm. um, and I listened again to Sam's speech there at the end, um, and he seems to tell uh, the the politicians, "Hey, you've got a lot of power. You're supposed to be responsible with it and stuff like that." And I was like, I instantly was like, thought of our theory for Spider Man, and I was for Spider Man Three, and I was like, Are they already? Dude, saying they're gonna go that direction. Is if this we're right, I odd... doubt it. But if we're right, I see. I don't think it's possible that we're not. That sorry, I don't think it's possible <laughs> that we're wrong. Josh is being that narcissistic. Point. There's no right. There's no way we're wrong here. <laughs> no, <laughs> I've been right about. I've, I've been right about a Static Shock and Blue Beetle. There's no way I'm right, wrong about this. To be fair, though, I was the one that originally came up with this, and we just kind of, like, you added on to it, and we just kind of, like, we yeah, just went so down our own right, rabbit hole, right. which is ultimately going to lead to our disappointment WandaVision finale. Um, so I think this <laughs> signifies that Tom Holland is staying for the long haul. However, there's a bigger thing that I didn't even notice, but someone brought up, uh, I believe it was John Campia brought up, that... This is actually the first bit of property that Disney has acquired for Disney+. Plus. This is not, um, like, this is the first piece of outside of the stuff that they own that they're bringing into Disney+. Plus. Like, you'll be like, well, what about the Fox stuff? They owned Fox before they launched Disney+. Plus. This is the first bit of content that they're licensing from another company to bring to their platform, like what Netflix is doing. So, to me, this is... Yes, Netflix, we're doing the original content just like you, but we're going to try and beat you at your own licensing game, which is how Netflix has made its money for a lot of years, and it's going to not be anymore because people are taking back the content like Warner Brothers and Universal. So I think this is a big signifying move of Disney Plus is taking the gloves off when it comes to trying to dethrone Netflix to going, okay, we've we've cemented ourselves in our solid first step. 
our phase one went well. Phase two is we're coming for your throat, Netflix, and we're going to low blow you if we have to. <laughs> Nothing. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Like, it's not even, it wouldn't be even be surprising at this point. Now, nothing better and more frustrating to me who has to make the graphics. Um, nothing more exciting than some really late-breaking news. And talk <laughs> about late-breaking. This happened like an hour before we started recording this episode. Um, but again, I am proven wrong, and I'll be man enough to admit it. I thought Godzilla vs. Kong would be the end of the MonsterVerse. Nathan, you are wrong yet again, but this time I'm happy to be wrong because it seems like due to the success of Godzilla vs. Kong, we will be getting more, or at least one more, from the guy that did Godzilla vs. Kong, Adam Wingard, who, as mentioned earlier, also did 2016's Blair Witch. There's not a lot of details yet, as we just said. It got announced like an hour before we were recording this. We just know it's Adam Wingard coming back to return to direct, but the quote-unquote internal talks are that it will be some variation of son of kong um i'm not overly familiar with the character of son of kong like i know he's got a kid i'm also not as familiar with kong villains as i am with godzilla villains and even then i'm not i kind of have secondhand knowledge from some college roommates of mine um often godzilla's not godzilla kong's enemies are humanity itself but Again, spoiler alert for the ending of Godzilla vs. Kong. There's a lot of storytelling possibilities there from Hollow Earth's perspective. I would like a whole movie set in Hollow Earth. Um, If we have a son of Kong, we kind of have to introduce other Kongs, right? Because I thought they said he was the last of his kind. So where is he going to find a Queen Kong? Um, Yeah, um... Kind of, kind of has some awkward questions there, but that uh, have to be answered. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's gonna be weird. Uh, maybe we, th- it, they're gonna pull one of those. Oh, we thought he was the last of his kind, but really, they've been down in, in you know, whatever Earth for all this time. It's, it's the Tigger movie, except with Kong. Stop. <laughs> no. He goes on a journey to find other Kongs, no. only to find out he is actually the only one left. <laughs> That's how you traumatize I've a never, certain generation. It's just say the Tigger I movie. Have, I have never not wanted something so so badly. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that's that's traumatizing. I am not okay with any of that. Nope. Uh, I'm not, I am also not familiar with Son of Kong, so I have no idea. I'm with you, though. Like, if there's going to be a Son of Kong, doesn't there have to be... A Lady a Kong. Kong. Queen yeah. Kong. Unless they're going to pull a, pull a fast one and be like, Ooh, we, we scientists took some blood from Kong and grew a clone. That's technically not... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now you get them to be traumatized. If you say that, I can totally see them doing something like that which is dumb um i don't particularly care what the next story is i'm just really really happy that we'll be continuing this these movies haven't always been the best for me i didn't particularly enjoy godzilla king of the monsters they're not spectacular movies 
but they're movies that are necessary for the survival of the theater. You are allowed to have big, bombastic movies. And the continuation of the MonsterVerse, because I refuse to give up hope, the longer the MonsterVerse continues and is allowed to continue, there still remains that slightly cracked door that we could cross over with Pacific Rim. I refuse to let that die. It will happen. I need it to happen of Kong teaming up with the Jaeger in Hollow Earth. Please let that happen. Son of Kong pilots the Jaeger. I don't care. Just give it to me. Oh my gosh! See, like, but the, see, the thing is now that Mechagodzilla is a—I mean, Mechagodzilla is not a thing now. What are you it's been about? out for like uh, two. It's been out for a month. People, come on. Okay, okay, it's not okay, a spoiler okay. anymore. Um, yeah, it is. Um, but uh, yeah. So like, if Mechagodzilla can be a thing, I don't see why they couldn't do a like Pacific Rim v Godzilla thing. That's just Ugh. yeah. It's gonna it's gonna happen eventually. So we've we've been blessed with trailers lately. It's just been nice to have trailers again. Um, it's been a while though since we've seen a trailer that I kind of want to put back in the oven for a few more minutes because it doesn't quite look done. And that was the case this week with The Conjuring Three. The Conjuring, the Devil Made Me Do It. Now I have really enjoyed both the main line Conjuring movies. One significantly more than the second one. I thought the second one was way too long uh, and kind of set itself, set up too many spinoffs, but it was still fine. I am incredibly nervous about this one, uh, but I'm also not particularly surprised. I've been cautious about the Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It ever since they announced it and we're just like, and James Gunn will be returning to produce it. And I'm going, wait, whoa, hold up, hold up. He's returning to produce it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You love when he produces stuff. No, no, no. We love when James Wan directs things. We remember what happened to the first Annabelle movie produced by James Wan. That Annabelle movie's terrible. Or James Wan produced The Nun, which is terrible. Admittedly, Annabelle creation is one of the best in the entire Conjuring franchise, and it's so good. Thanks, David F. Sandberg. Um... But I would be much more excited with this movie if it was James Wan returning to direct. But he's too busy with Aquaman 2. And you can immediately tell from this trailer that it is not a James Wan movie anymore. It feels like bigger, but not better. They're like, oh, wow, Uh, Lorraine might fall off the side of a cliff. Aren't you you nervous? I'm like, well, since you're saying it's based on a true story and... Lorraine lives many years past this movie. There's no real tension here. Um, also, like, I know what they're going for with the waterbed. It's, it's just didn't scare me. Nothing about this trailer scared me. I was a little annoyed. Just like, really? I thought we were past this with, like, the picture that I've got here. You're blatantly ripping off better horror movies with The Exorcist. Like, that's not even subtle that you're trying to reference The Exorcist here. Um... The Conjuring, ever since the first movie, has really just been a roller coaster of ups and downs, and I'm very much worried that this is a down part of the franchise. I am going to go out on a limb and confirm. I guarantee it will be a down. Okay? 
Because you know how much I enjoy a trailer, even like bad trailers. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I had a good time with that. I rolled my eyes at the opening line. I op- rolled my eyes at the waterbed. And as soon as the waterbed comes on screen, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Oh, he's going to pop out of the waterbed. And then guess what? Later in the trailer, he pops out of the waterbed. Ooh. Like you said, like nothing about this was scary. Um, it just seems... I just, like, I shouldn't roll my eyes so hard at someone going, turning around with blood all over him and, be, and being like, I think I hurt somebody. It was like, well, no way. Really? Oh, okay, cool. Thank you. I just, yeah, it's, it does, I don't think it's going to be good at all. I, I noticed with James Wan movies are scary, like, especially that first Conjuring and the Conjuring trailer was so good because it drew stuff out. Like, you still remember to this day uh, the clap game when she's at the top of the stairs. Oh, gosh, that was terrifying. But they draw that out. This, I don't get a sense of what the story is from this trailer. And also, I don't get where the scares are coming from. It seems like they went a little too crazy with the demon possession, so everything goes balls to the wall nuts. It's just like, no, the first two were scary because it still felt like a human family, a human connection, a human story, and everything else, it still felt grounded in reality. That way, when stuff starts going haywire, it's scary and unnatural. This, they don't set what natural is supposed to be. Yeah. Like, Lorraine, for some reason, goes to, goes basically to the Upside Down, like Stranger Things, and right before she goes off the cliff, like, in Stranger Things, it almost looks like they're just like, oh, the leftover set from Stranger Things season four. While they're off in Russia, we we can film our movie here. Um, it it doesn't look scary to me. It looks so jarringly different from the first two, which had the drawn out horror, the atmosphere dark. This is too. Maybe it's me nitpicking here, but I don't think it is. It this trailer seems too bright. There's way too much stuff taking place in the daytime. Like you and I have talked about at length. Why Sinister scared us so much was we breathed a sigh of relief when we saw the daylight because we're like, okay, the scary stuff happens at night. Scary stuff happens at night in horror movies, people. Why are you focusing so much on daytime stuff? It's lit and shot differently than the first two, which I understand with a different director. It just doesn't interest me in the same way that the first two would. Yeah. It's not going... I just... Even like, okay, look at this picture that's next to my head, okay? All right, all right, you looking at it? What does that remind you of? What does that little kid look like? What does he remind you of? Why does he look like Jeffrey Dahmer? Oh, okay, I wasn't going that. But I was going to say he that looks like... He does look like um, Jeffrey Dahmer, though. He does, but he looks like the kid from Haunting of Hill House. The older uh, brother, uh, was it Luke? Lucas? Yeah, yeah, the young, Luke. yeah, the, yeah, the youngest Luke brother. Lucas? Luke, yeah, it's Luke. It's, it's Luke, but he legit looks exactly like Luke. It's the kid from WandaVision. It's one of the twins from WandaVision, I think. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Still looks exactly. I'm I'm I I am I'm, I'm I'm building on this this theory thing that this movie feels like it's just copying other movies. Like it doesn't feel like its own thing. Now, this last news topic that we have has the chance to be its own thing. And I really hope it does, because I think a Haunted Mansion movie could really, really work 
And I'm not just saying that as a big Disney, well, former big Disney fan. I've had my gripes with current management, but Haunted Mansion is one of my favorite rides. I also grew up watching the original Eddie Murphy movie, not thinking it was that bad. I watch it now as an adult. I'm like, what? what is this? I'm also a huge advocate of getting kids interested in horror movies at a young age. You don't need to completely traumatize them, but movies like Monster House, Goosebumps, um, if they're old enough, Monster Squad, Halloween Town, stuff like that can be good because it gets kids to experience a different genre that they might not normally experience. Horror can be a very rewarding genre if you find the right stuff. So we say all this because Disney is planning on doing a new Haunted Mansion movie. Now, I'm wary because they supposedly have been working on this for a very long time. At one point, I feel like Guillermo del Toro was tapped to direct it with Ryan Gosling starring in it, but that kind of fell nowhere. Um, I still am curious about this. Um, Maybe it's too late? Because Disney did the original Haunted Mansion around the time that the first Pirates of the Caribbean came out and did so well. They're like, just turn all our rides and attractions into movies, Country Bears, which is not actually that bad. You've stop. Got, stop it. No. You've got I Christopher Walken. You. You've got Christopher no. Walken. Christopher Walken crushing um, Country Bear Hall replicas with an anvil that comes from his roof while not wearing pants and bunny slippers. Oh no! Country Bear Hall has been crushed! And ends the movie by saying, I'll get you, bears! How bad can that be? But, getting back to Haunted Mansion, (laughs) there was potential for it. Like, the weird thing is, take out the Eddie Murphy stuff, and the narrative is actually kind of interesting, of a guy that, um, his love was poisoned, and so traumatized he kills himself and that kind of messes up the whole balance of the house and becomes a haunted mansion for those that haven't been on the ride there are 999 happy haunts in the haunted mansion but there's always room for a thousand any volunteers um you have 999 storytelling possibilities here how do you mess this up like i mean yes but I, I would like, this is an untapped potential for Disney. Disney has had a tendency to shy away from family-friendly horror. And I think this would be a great idea if they pull this off correctly. Josh, as a non-Disney person, from the park's perspective, you see this as a wise move or a stupid move? Go for it. <laughs> more, more original content. Sure, that's fine. If you had Keep to guess, theatrical or Disney Plus? Disney Plus. Absolutely. Yeah, as much as I would like for this to be a uh, big budget live action theatrical release movie, this does scream more of a Disney Plus type movie. Uh, But there's a lot of fun visual sight gags and storytelling possibilities for this movie that gets me at least curious enough. It can't be any worse than the Eddie Murphy one. Actually, it can, but I don't think it could be. Um, have fun with it. Just be creative and different. Don't feel like you have to be tied down to the narrative of the ride. You can make your own. Like I said, there's 999 ghosts in the Haunted Mansion. You don't see, obviously, all of them in the ride. Just make up your own story. Don't feel like you have to go, here's the story of the ride all over again. Yeah. Do you think? 
It could be like, you know, see, and that's what I think the problem is. Like, Haunted Mansion has the potential to be something like Haunting of Hill House level good. But it, but they won't. No, we're not going to be like, yes, childhood trauma. Welcome to Disney yeah. World. No, they won't do that. Uh, this week's episode is sponsored by... Um, I have no idea. Josh, you got a sponsor? Um... Hold on, two seconds. I got it. It's right there. It's right there. I got I can it. Feel I can it. Feel I can it. feel it. Can you feel it, Mr. Krabs? Today's episode of Uncharted Media Podcast is brought to you in part by Krusty Krab Pizza. It's the best pizza. Krusty? Okay. Every time you do that, I always think viewers like you. Thank you. Yes. Every time. <laughs> we well, should start doing that because they really are the only reason we do this. <laughs> yep. And then someday, maybe we'll actually get a sponsorship. Um, so, legacy characters are growing in popularity quite rapidly. So, for quick definition again, legacy characters are basically any superhero identity that is passed down to a next generation. Um, so, like, if a Batman was not Bruce Wayne, if a Superman was not Clark Kent, if a Spider-Man was not Peter Parker... Um, this could happen for a lot of different reasons. It could be story reasons, uh, like your character's out of action for a while, or it could be a permanent decision, like in the case of the current Superman comics, as announced, I think, last week, that Clark is not going to be the Superman anymore in the main Superman comic timeline. It's going to be his son, Jonathan, we'll talk about later i'm not a big fan of but i am at least curious about this comic because it's written by tom taylor who's currently writing nightwing and just crushing it but that's not the only character we've seen we talked about sam wilson captain america taking up the mantle of steve rogers so that's a different incarnation of captain america but i think the biggest and most successful character like legacy character to date is miles morales we'll talk about him a little bit later um but I guess technically, sure, sure. If you want to get technical, we'll talk about him later. But um, I want to start kind of start opening the discussion with when did we first notice legacy characters? Because as a kid, the notion of legacy characters confused me a lot because um, I grew up watching like a lot of kids the animated Justice League series. Uh, and in that you had Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Martian Manhunter, um, two legacy characters if you really think about it. John Stewart, Green Lantern, who I still say is the best Green Lantern of all time, come at me, and Wally West's Flash. So I always grew up thinking Wally West was the Flash, not even realizing, and this is where my first experience with legacy characters came in, was that Wally was the Flash of for about 20 to 30 years, but the flash before him, like the main flash for most, almost all of DC comics is Barry Allen. Barry Allen's the one that's got the TV show. He's the one with this upcoming movie. He's been the flash the longest. Now you still got quite a few people that prefer Wally over Barry. Um, and that'll happen. There's people I'm sure that prefer miles over Peter as Spider-Man. But that was my first experience. It also came, but to a certain extent, with the Robins. So I don't consider Robins as legacy characters. I think of them always as their own individual characters. But I remember watching Batman Beyond, Return of the Joker, one of Josh's favorite movies, and getting so confused when they have old Tim Drake, the former Robin, 
be like, yeah, back in my day when I was Robin going, wait, I, I thought Robin's real name was Dick Grayson being uber confused by that, not even realizing that Dick Grayson was the first Robin and then Tim Drake was the third Robin and the animated series doesn't acknowledge Jason at all, which maybe that's why I like it so much because <laughs> I've never liked Jason and I think he's drastically overrated and he didn't get interesting until he died. I'll stand yeah. by that statement. Um, but Josh, do you remember the first time you realized, oh, there can be different incarnations of characters? Um, and just so we're clear too, technically Barry Allen is a legacy character as well. Cause technically he's not the first flash either. Um, cause Jake Garrick was the first flash. Technically, technically it's, but like for me in, I'm going to go ahead and use him. He's on my list, but, um, like, I genuinely didn't... It didn't, like, hit me, hit me until Marvel's Ant-Man movie. When I... Because, to me... Yep, he's on my best list, too. always... Has always been Scott Lang. I had no idea. Nope. I had no idea. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's talk about that, because... Scott Lang's Ant-Man is also on my list because that's, to me, one of the top examples of people might not even realize he's what we would consider a legacy character because he's not the original incarnation of it. Mm -hmm. Because the original incarnation, as we see in the Ant-Man movie, is Hank Pym, which I'm glad, actually, that the MCU has shied away from this for the most part. But Hank Pym is single-handedly one of the worst human beings in comic book history. Like, I would rather read a thousand Iron Man comics with um, with Tony Stark than one Hank Pym because Hank Pym, one, created Ultron, not Tony in the comics, but was also a serial wife abuser. Like, he was one of the scummiest people. And they'd be like, well, it was a different time. No, that's horrible no matter when you write it. It's not like uh, the Kyle Rayner, let's shove a body in the fridge situation, which yeah. is also dumb. But one of the big... Like, prevailing characteristics of Hank Pym's Ant-Man was, I'm a misogynist who hates women, which is awful. And Scott Lang, on the other hand, I'm a thief, but I have a redemption arc. At least in the stories that I know, Hank Pym never really got that. And so I'm glad that the MCU has shied away from that. They've still kind of made him an emotionally distant father, but I think that's much more accessible than, hey... There might be a good reason why Janet Van Dyme is hiding or away for a while. Like, Scott is a much yeah. more relatable, interesting character. So I think people might forget that he's not the original, but he sure as heck is the best. Yeah, and that's what I think what's interesting about legacy characters is that sometimes the character can be so well-written and so interesting that it outshines the original art incarnation incarnation um example whenever you were like uh i would rather read iron man comics over seeing hank pym i would rather watch a cyclops solo film directly ripped from the comics than have hank pym be a thing like it's just and for those that don't know like cyclops is single-handedly the stupid stupidest and like worst like human of the of an of the x-men i mean you at least in the movies. In the comics, oh, he's not no. as bad. Oh, no, 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 no. 
Oh, buddy. Oh, go go do some Google searching. But my man, like he is, he's a messed up dude. Uh, like exam. Sorry, this is a total total rabbit trail here. But like at one point, he has a. But it's like during the Dark Phoenix era. Yeah. He has he has uh, a not clone. Ill, but... He has a clone of Jean Grey. That he marries, and then Jean Grey comes back. And he leaves the clone in which he is married to and has a child with for OG Jean Grey. So he pulls a Scott Pilgrim then. I mean, yes, but not as bad. Yeah, I, I have issues with Scott Pilgrim, but that's I mean, yes, well documented. Details, details, details. But yeah, it's, it's just very interesting because I think whenever you talk legacy characters or characters who have, and that was something, a problem that I ran into when I was trying to look up, um, I was trying to do research for this topic. It was like, I didn't know exactly how to phrase things because it's, it's very different depending on like what the process of somebody else taking up the mantle is very different from character to character. Yes. Like um, some of the ones we'll talk about today is a more permanent thing. Um, and some of them are a not temporary, but a shortened run of things. Like my favorite all-time legacy character and replacement that I'll talk about last didn't do it for very long, but to me, he actually did it better than the original. But uh, we'll talk about probably the biggest name on this list, and it's one that, if I'm being honest, when this character was first introduced. I would have actually probably put him on the worst because to me when he was first introduced he just felt like um fan service of just like here's this new character you're gonna have to like him and that of course is Miles Morales. I like Miles a lot now but when he was first introduced it just felt so gimmicky of like, okay, we need something fresh with Spider-Man. I'll be honest, I didn't really care for the character of Miles until Into the Spider-Verse. Really did a good job of identifying core elements that people could see it themselves in, which is exactly what they do with Peter Parker. And you could see similarities, no matter your cultural background, to Miles. And that was only furthered with the Miles Morales game. Not as good as the original Spider-Man, but um, he's still great in that, so I came to appreciate the character and what i've always liked about miles is they've never tried to make him peter parker spider-man but they treat him as an equal to peter just a less experienced version of that which i've always appreciated they don't just give him the, it would have been really easy like a character we'll talk about later that they have the exact same power set except their personalities a little differently no he has a different power set he's got a different background he's not a clone of the original that's what gives him this new life basically i think i was also originally hesitant against miles morales because i'm not the biggest fan of brian michael bendis as a comic book writer it's even more so with his current superman stuff i'm really not a fan of what he's done with dc but uh over time i've become a big miles fan i will still always prefer peter over miles but I don't think the disparity between the two is nearly as big as it was at one point for me. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I, I was always, I've always been hesitant of it, and for the most part, as not as of a, 
uh, avid comic reader as you are, I I was I Miles was one of those things I heard it happen and I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then when Spider Verse came along, I was like, oh, like no, this is actually like this is actually like a really interesting character. Yeah, like it's. Let's dive more into him. In some ways, I, I might like him more than Peter sometimes, um, depending on the story. But yeah, it, he's more, I think, relatable to di- today's day and age than yes. brown-eyed, blue-eyed, no, sorry, brown, brown-haired, blue-eyed Peter. You yes. Know, like is... However, I know for a fact that this will not be the most we disagree about something. Um, yeah. Because we've already kind of gone over some notes and... I stand fast on something, and I'm sure you stand your ground on something else. But we'll, yeah. we'll talk about a BR later. Um, <sighs> who's another of like your favorite? They were not the OG, but they became great. So this is gonna this is kind of like gonna go into the the category of they weren't they didn't take up the mantle for long, but did some really really cool stuff while they were. Um, and this is. And it's Danny Rand when when he put, takes on the mantle of Daredevil. Um, have you not heard this? Have you not? I read have this not story? heard this. Josh, educate Bro. me and the masses at home. Bro, okay. So um, there's a I forget. It's I think it's Daredevil issue number eighty seven, if I remember right. Um, of like I think it's one of his most recent runs. Or the uh, it's close to the Civil War storyline. Um, Matt Murdock actually gets arrested and convicted for being the vigilante daredevil. So this leads Danny Rand, without Matt's permission, to take up the mantle of daredevil in order to kind of like disprove the courts and be like, well, if Matt's in prison, how's there a daredevil? And so like he like he just decides to be Bear Daredevil for a while. Like, and it's to the point, like, it's such a weird, but like interesting story. Cause like Frank, uh, Frank Castle actually gets himself arrested to go to prison with Matt to protect him from like all of the criminals that he's put away. It's like, it's like super cool. That's a like, super di- bro moment right there. That's like, so, that's so, like, what's it, uh, did you ever see the movie, the town with Ben Affleck? There's this great yes. scene in it where he's just like, yes. I can't tell you who or what or why, but we got to go hurt some people. All right, whose car are we taking? Like that's like the most bro I've ever seen in a yep. movie of just that's yeah. that's bro got your back. Oh. Yeah, bro. So like and like Frank like makes it a point like hey man, like I still don't like you, but like I'm not going to let you get killed in here and stuff like that. But like Danny takes it up the mantle for so long to the point that I can't remember if it's Civil War or Civil War 2, but he and, and Danny as Daredevil ends up joining Cap in the Civil War, in one of the Civil War storylines. Huh. So, like, it's, kind of, like, he kind of takes it to, like, a pretty far extent. I'm just, like, imagine, Daredevil's already, like, pretty acrobatic, but then you add, like, Danny Rand's level of, of martial arts and the Iron Fist, like, to Daredevil, like, it just, it's just takes it to a whole nother level. It doesn't last long, but it's still, to me at least, when I, apparently one of the only people that have read this, um, it's still, to me, one of the really coolest ways to take up a mantle. Uh, so we like started the show talking about this, but I think it's time we'll talk about now of uh, Wally West as the Flash. 
So I always, yeah. I still kind of think of Barry as the first Flash just because he's the one that spent the most time as it, even though he also technically is a legacy character, but I, I'd debate that just because how much time is spent as the Flash. He's always been painted as the primary Flash. But Wally, I have felt so bad for Wally. He is single-handedly the most screwed-over comic book character probably in history, and this is coming from a Nightwing fan, and Nightwing has not had a good run of things over the past five to ten years, but Wally's had it even worse. Um, but when he was the Flash, I think it was like mainly the 80s and 90s, basically from, I think, Barry disappeared in Crisis on Infinite Earths when he basically ran the cosmic tre- treadmill to nothingness, and then... He came back in Flash Rebirth by Jeff Johns, I believe, is what it was called. Uh, but for the most part, Wally was holding it down and doing it well. I think, actually, of all the individual comics that I have of The Flash that I got from my uncle and my like hundreds of comics that I have, I think almost all of those are from the Wally era, actually. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate that they don't ever try and make Wally Barry. He just feels like a good character and even with the newer stuff like a young justice or a teen Titan, was he on teen titans i'm trying to remember um when he goes back to being kid flash there's still a you might someday be again the great flash that you were before it's again it's a he's been screwed over it's a all right you were an adult flash now you get to go back to being a teenage kid because we've reset the timeline again but it doesn't matter what incarnation it is I've always loved the character of Wally West, and maybe that's even more so after watching Young Justice, which will always be one of my favorite shows ever, especially because we unhealthily watched it. Um, For those that don't know, Josh and I watched all of Young Justice in one weekend. There's 26 episodes in both the first two seasons when we watched it. We basically got up, like, all right, let's do it. And then we watched all of it. Was it? One Friday, one Saturday, one Saturday, one Sunday, mm-hmm. or something like one that. One Friday, one Saturday had to be. Yeah, because I wanted to watch it for Nightwing, not realizing that he wouldn't show up till season two with the five-year time gap. So I'm watching all of season one, loving it, by the way, but loving Wally especially, um, just being kind of the immature kid. He's more or less the Beast Boy character mm-hmm. of Young Justice, but there's still a lot of great depth to him. And he's such a good Flash. I'm just frustrated with DC Comics at times of just going, I know you're really high on Barry and you always want Barry to be like the beacon of the best of what every superhero can be to the point of even Batman looks up to the Flash. And we're just like, you do realize there's other Flashes here. Like Jay is the OG and just as good. Barry held it down for you. Bart is freaking awesome. Um... I love me some Impulse, bro. Impulse, Impulse is, is like great, my favorite. But... I'm sorry. Also, I oh. love Wally's suit. The yellow is just fantastic. Um, but yeah, as a character, Wally just has to be one of my favorite legacy characters, even if he doesn't get the respect he deserves when he became the main Flash, at least nowadays. Yeah, it's... it's he, He's unfortunately been a character that's consistently screwed over. Like, not just in the comics. In the Flash show... They kind of oh, like yeah. do. They're like, "Hey, it's Wally," and we're all like, "Oh, cool!" And then they do nothing with him at all, really. Uh, I think the uh, the splitting the um, like splitting the races and making there's one Wally that's a actually, white guy with red hair and one Wally that's a uh, black kid, both in the show and then the comics definitely overcomplicates issues like 
that that doesn't help having two separate Wally Wests, which is a whole separate There's issue. There's no need for it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's just weird. Um, the flat, yeah, he's, and again, it. I think it's much like it, when you and I discuss Spider-Man storylines. Like, it depends on what you grow up grew up with. Like to me, Flash will always be Barry because it's it's Barry, you know. But yeah. like, yeah, it's well, it, it's just again, it's just furthering this discussion on how important legacy characters are. To me, like Barry. Barry is my Flash, but I kind of see Barry and Wally on equal footing because I grew up mm-hmm. so much with Wally in that Justice League series and in the comics because that's who it was at the time. But now that I've read so many of the current Flash stuff, I'm like, I kind of see them on equal footing, leaning a little more yeah. towards Barry, but I think they're not as far apart as DC likes to pretend they are. So I've got yes. two more. How many more you got, Josh, for like good? As for good? Yeah, for I have good. Two- I have two and a couple honor, honorable mentions. All right. Let's, let's, what are your honorable mentions? I'm curious. Um, honorable mentions. Um, and I think as soon as I say them, you'll understand why they're, why they're honorable mentions. If you say Damien um, Wayne, I'm going to slap you. No. Kate Bishop is Hawkeye and Shuri is Black Panther. They're honorable mentions because I think we're about to get them in, in live action form. So okay. Um, okay. yeah, yeah, like you know, like I. First of all, they're both the, their comics are just rad. It's just so cool to see. I I don't know if you've ever looked up Shuri as Black Panther in the comics, but like yes, the look is so dastard. It's like not dastard. It's so drastically different than T'Challa, but like st- it almost cooler in a way, and it just. Mm, mm. So actually, when Chef I worked kids. at Boys and Girls Chef Club, kids. uh. It was a predominantly black, uh, black, black boys and girls club, and like the the teen director had a whole bunch of uh, comics in his office, and one of them was the one where Shuri, like comic replicas, obviously wasn't original printings, but he had the one where Shuri becomes the Black Panther. So I got to see that a lot. Um, but yeah, I I've always been an advocate for Shuri becoming the next Black Panther. It becomes a little trickier now, obviously, um, but. Even when Chadwick Boseman was alive, I was like, okay, I want his story yeah. to go on for a while, and then we can pass the torch to, to Shuri, because I can absolutely see that, because I love the concept of Shuri as a character telling girls, you can be strong and powerful, but also, you can be smart. Women in science is a great thing, and Shuri, I think, is the biggest advocate for mm-hmm. that. That's that's a big part of her character. It kind of reminds me a little bit mm-hmm. of the Gwen Stacy in the amazing spider-man movies of you can be smart and successful um while i had issues with amazing spider-man 2 i never had issues with emma stone's performance and especially that encouraging intelligence in young women and just being a good positive influence before oh snap um but anyway (laughs) i don't know enough about kate bishop like i'm excited to see what happens and i love Haley stanfeld i'll trust your judgment on that one I love the design. I just don't know enough about Kate Bishop. I just know that she's more or less the future of archery in the MCU. See, and I think I think they're going to use her as the staple Hawkeye. And the reason I and that's the reason I think I bring her up is that in the comics, I think it's you know you say Hawkeye, you think Clint, 
And I think what Disney's about to do is, in the movies, when you say Hawkeye, you're going to think Kate Bishop, which is super cool to me. Um, so, Although we have gonna, heard it once. We did I mean, hear yeah. Hawkeye once in Endgame, but yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, um, like, but like they never, like everyone's like Clint, or like they never call him by his name, so. They got close, they called him the Hawk. Um, what's one of your final two? Yeah. One of your final two. Okay, so another one from left field. I doubt. I, I also doubt that you you know what this one is. Did you know that at one point Frank Castle took up the man, mantle of War Machine? That sounds that sounds right. Yeah, that's believable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, it makes sense. Now, if I told you that. Nick Fury orchestrated it all in order to Frank Camp for Frank Castle to take care of some things, and then uh, got upset because Frank was like, "Cool, this is a great suit. I can do things with this." And then dips back to New York because he's like, "All right, I can take care of some people now." <laughs> and then Nick Fury's like, um, "Hey, wait a second! No, 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 no! <laughs> that's not what we meant. That's, that's the whole. Yeah, that's that's the Frank Castle is War Machine story, and it ends with." Uh, Frank being like, oh, well, you know what, James, you, I respect you a lot because you, you served our country as a colonel. So for that reason, and he like looks at Fury and that reason alone, <laughs> I'm going to give J- James Rhodes, <laughs> I'm going to give him his, uh, his suit back. I'm noticing a trend here with, with Frank Castle Punisher related stuff. <laughs> Just out of curiosity, I because I, I can't think of it off the top of my head, has anybody else been the Punisher besides Frank Castle? Has there been a legacy version of Punisher? Has there been a Punisher 2099 or something like that? Because everybody got a 2099 title. I don't think so, weirdly enough. Um, I think there might have been, because I know Doctor. there was a Doctor Doom 2099, because I have a couple of those comics. There's a Venom 2099. There's a Spider-Man 2099. I think there might have been a Punisher 2099. Is there? I'm trying to think if there ever was, because Punisher's not my area of expertise. I didn't know if there was ever a Punisher legacy character, if someone ever took up the mantle besides Frank. You know, off the top of your head, Josh. Not off the top of my head. Um, oh, crazy versions of the of the Punisher. Here we go. I'm go- I'm live googling this, baby. Oh, oh my. You looking oh up my. Punisher 2099? Um. Oh, there's weirder in there. Oh. Uh. Uh oh. I guess what? But that's still Frank. That doesn't count. Um. Deathlock. Deathlock Death was Punisher at one, at one point. That's weird. Wolverine took up took up Punisher at one point, which totally makes sense. Um, Punisher fan? No, like uh, what? Hold on, hold on. Spider Man took up the mantle of Punisher. This is for my uncle Ben. With That's great power comes met. great lead in your face. I guess Frank has been Captain America at one point. Which is super weird. <laughs> More like That's Captain something... NRA. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It just keep. At least this article, it just keeps naming Frank. Well. Um, speak, yeah. Speaking of Captain America, we obviously, at least for my list, I have to put Sam Wilson's Captain America on there. I love when legacy characters 
it's almost like the completion of their arc to become the role of their mentor. I have wanted Falcon to be the new Captain America ever since Winter Soldier when we first meet him. And that's probably out of my mm-hmm. love of the character of Anthony Mackie brought to the screen, but also the love of the actor of Anthony Mackie. And I was always worried that, yes, Bucky has been Captain America in the comics. Eh. I was always worried that Marvel will pull that trigger and make Bucky the new Captain America. I'm glad that they went with Sam Wilson instead because I've always found him much more interesting because he's so different than Steve Rogers. He's much more of a a modern man's version of Captain America of you've clearly got the race factor into his character of he brings a different perspective than an old white guy who was raised in the 40s, obviously. Um, But I appreciate that even when he's Captain America, they don't change his Falcon aesthetic to help differentiate him from... Steve Rogers, Captain America, like Steve Rogers, Captain America was the brawler type, whereas Falcon still has the wings and everything else. His aesthetic changes. So cool. More white. The white and the blue just looks so good. Okay. I will say the only thing that about his costume that I'm a little like, eh, would have changed that. What is, and I don't know why it bothers me, but seeing his ears is weird. I don't know why. Like it's it a Captain America off. staple, even if they're rubber ears in the nineties movie. I know, movie. I know. It's just weird. I don't know. But yeah, no, it's like even like the small little moment where he where Carly goes to punch him and he has the shield up and puts the wings into the ground. I was just like, ooh, that's so cool. Ugh, I can't. Oh, ah. So, so cool. you should only have one left, right? At least Correct. for the good ones, because there's... Yes. I have some bad ones, too, and we're going to talk about the bad ones. Yes, we are. So who, who's your, like, best legacy character of all time? You're not even going to be surprised at this. That this is... Because this is Josh talking, okay? Like, this is not... It, it, you, I will let you guess. How about that? Let, let, get, get, go ahead and guess. Um... I'm waiting. I'm genuinely trying to figure this out. Did anybody like replace Hellboy or? No, that's weird. <laughs> I'm genuinely trying to think of like, bra. I don't know. Give me a, some form of a hint here. Um, uh, there was an animated show. Animated show. Mm-hmm. It's not anything Ninja Turtles related, right? No. Um. There's been a lot of animated shows, man. Terry McGinnis as oh. Batman Beyond. Duh. My boy, Terry McGinnis. Uh, like, even like just like based off of the show alone, um, the not even getting into all the cool stuff that happens in the comics, but Terry's relationship with Bruce, it's like you said, like watching a, a seasoned veteran who... I mean, basically post a dark night, Bruce Wayne basically go, basically turns into, finally turns into an actual like decent mentor because he can't do it anymore. And Terry is, and I think again, like you already brought up the, um, the movie, uh, the Joker returns, how Terry interacts with Joker in comparison to how Bruce interacts with Joker is vastly different, but both are so good and so 
awesome to read and watch. I he's just I mean the thing about if you have somebody like Dick Grayson take up the mantle, there's a lot of baggage that comes with that that you have you have to talk about. Whereas Terry, it's they're just like, all right, cool. So this kid decided to steal a bat suit, and now Bruce is like, this reminds me of <laughs> this reminds me when I was picking robins. Um, and he, <laughs> which reminds and, me, I saw a good meme this week of that scene at the beginning of Batman versus Superman with all the rubble and Superman's mm-hmm. attacking and everything else, and Bat and Bruce Wayne's helping, and he just goes, oh. Look at all these potential Robins. There's a potential Robin. There's a potential Robin. <laughs> hey, kid, you have parents? You're a potential Robin. I'm like, oh, no. no He's no. just like, I love Robin but, shopping. But it's true, though. Um, but no, yeah, to me, Terry McGinnis is the ultimate legacy character in that not only did he, not only did he take up the mantle of one of DC's most iconic heroes, but to the point where it's almost... Batman Beyond is its own character because it's just that fleshed out and that well done. Mm-hmm. However, however, <laughs> I will never ever say that Terry McGinnis is the best Batman of all time because I'm too busy saying there's some other Batman that's better. Again, I said some of these had a long run, like Wally West was flashed for a very long time. This individual was only Batman for a little bit, maybe a year and a half. I'm trying to remember how long the Grant Morrison run was. But to me, the greatest legacy character of all time is the one that I think is actually the best Batman and is even better than Bruce Wayne. Dick Grayson as Batman. And of course, I have no bias in this whatsoever out of my love of Nightwing. Um, but No, no biases whatsoever. But his Nightwing persona is different than his Batman persona, and that's, I think, what makes it worse. Batman will always be haunted by the death and memory of his parents. Dick actually, through the help of Bruce Wayne, was able to get over that. So when he becomes Batman, you talked about the baggage and having a character that doesn't have any of that. I think the baggage is what makes his story more interesting and more compelling as Batman, of just going... I never wanted to be Batman. I never wanted that role, but I always feared because I was the first that I would have to inherit that role either way. And because the other Robins and other members of the family look up to me that I was always afraid that I was going to be that, but I don't want to be him. I don't want to be like my father, basically, which is a big thematic element that's in a lot of movies. Like uh, Star Wars has that father relationship, and it's done so well in the comics of... Nightwing's goal has always been he wants to help, but if possible, he'd prefer to do it as Dick Grayson, not as Nightwing. He just understands that that's not always possible. And so to have that contrast, that's one of the big differences between him and Batman is he will see the compassionate side and wants to help people. So it was a nice contrast when he becomes Batman. And what makes me like his Batman more is, yes, he can kick butt and just wreck house with uh, all the worst bad guys. But having him be the compassionate one with all the quips and having Damian Wayne, Robin, be the sour stick in the mud that just wants to kill and be grumpy and sad at everything was a really great dynamic that was actually sadly ruined when Bruce Wayne came back to life. And so now you have both Batman and Robin being the mopey guys. Uh, But similar to Sam's journey, except even more so, 
Dick becoming Batman is just the fulfillment of an arc, basically going from apprentice to full-on master. Like, when we first meet Falcon in the comics, he's already a full-blown adult. We see Dick from nine years old to all the way to adulthood to basically being what he or he never would be, but being better than the father that he had. Um, it's a great narrative. I love his character as Batman. I loved his character before when he was Nightwing and Robin, but him as Batman is just perfect. And I still to this day say that his Batman is actually better than Bruce Wayne because he wants to help people as Dick Grayson as well as Batman, as opposed to Batman insisting that the only way help can be served is in the suit. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And I, I think that to me, that's where Terry and Dick like are very similar. Whereas because Terry is also not afraid to, to do things without the suit. He doesn't granted it's part of it's because he has no history being a super, being a hero. But yeah, like it's just they're they're both very, very, very similar. But yeah, I am not surprised at all at you talking about Dick being Batman. Now, let's talk about the worst, because oh, oh no. for every oh. good decision there's always plenty of bad decisions of Maybe our comic isn't selling so well, so we need to shake things up like Disney Channel to really change the status quo. And every time you have that mindset, it leads to bad things. So I've got four, like, worst of all time. And unfortunately, half of them are Spider-Man related. Um, (laughs) I'll get the one out of the way that's going to cause the most disagreement between Josh and I now. The clone... Ben Riley, Spider-Man. I'll say this. Okay. Ben Riley has one of the coolest looks. Y'all know it. It's the sleeveless blue hoodie with the red um, spandex, basically. Just a clean spandex. I like that look a lot. I don't even mind the character of Ben Riley. I just hate what he represents yeah. in the Spider-Man lore. For those that don't know, I forget what the story arc was. I think it was just called The Clone Saga, basically. <laughs> Star Wars. Um, but basically, they tried to tell the audience reading Spider-Man comics... Hey, Peter Parker, the guy that you've been reading for decades, the one that you know and love, he's actually a clone and not the real Spider-Man. The real Spider-Man is this Ben Riley guy. He's the original host, and Peter Parker is the clone, and everyone's going, that's stupid. Change it right now. And they're like, <laughs> no, you, you guys love this. It's because they wanted to retire the character of Peter Parker. They're just like, no, you'll, you'll love this. It, people in time have come to like Ben Riley, but like him as a different character entirely, uh, a Scarlet character, so to speak, which mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. If Scarlet Spider shows up in Into the Spider-Verse 2, I'll pop real loud. But as a legacy incarnation of Spider-Man going, yeah, the Spider-Man you know and love, he's just a clone. Here's the real guy that you should be rooting for. Why aren't you rooting for him? He, he's not Roman Reigns at all. We're not forcing him down your throat whether you like it or not. What, why are you all crying and not reading our comic anymore? Like, I want to like Ben. He seems cool. But he's such an ill-advised idea that I just can't get on board yeah. with it. <laughs> it's, and to your credit, I do, I love Ben. Ben O'Reilly. He, he's a, to me, And your he's brother, great, Ben. Oh, yeah, that one too. Um, but, like, he, he's a cool character. One of the coolest suits around. Being the Scarlet Spider, like, 
And then, obviously, when he eventually moves to Houston instead of New York, that's a cool mo- thing, too. Okay, uh, but... that's why. So that's why Josh likes, that's why Josh likes Ben there's Riley. Just, there's panels of him swinging around, like, complaining about the humidity, and it's so <laughs> perfect. He's like, the, I that explains the humidity when I put on this spandex. Like, ugh. Like, okay, but I agree that the Clone Saga story is terrible. Terrible. I just really like the Scarlet Spider, okay? Let me have this. It's not the worst Spider-Man replacement, but I might save that one for last, because... Yeah. Mm, um, what's one of 20 yours? You know what? I, I actually, I have something from the Spider-Man lore universe. Um, and that's when Flash Thompson is Ancient Venom. Really? You're not a fan of that? Okay, to me, Flash Thompson is the bully, and he that needed he needs to stay that way. I, I don't like this, like, hey, you know this character that you hated for so long because he's absolutely terrible to some to your favorite to the main character. Hey, guess what? He's actually this really cool guy. Like, I just. But he was still a dick for, like, 15 years. Like, you know, like, you can't, like, just ignore that just because, oh, he's got Venom now. But it doesn't look like Venom. But it's Venom now. You know? I've always kind of been indifferent to Agent Venom. I think the design is really cool, but you're right. It kind of doesn't look like a symbiote suit. Um, But, yeah, (laughs) I've been indifferent to it. Um, I'm of the camp that I, I think Flash was a bully at first. But kind of like Pete Ross and Superman, they became friends over time, him and Peter. So I can kind of get that, that maybe he bullied him for like freshman and sophomore year, maybe even junior year. And then once Flash's friends leave, maybe they're like a grade ahead of him or something. He's that one senior that like has no friends left. So he has to hang out with the underclassmen and becomes friends with Peter that way. Um, it kind of redeems his arc a little bit. But I've been, always been indifferent to Agent Venom. I'm just like, eh whatever you're not as cool as like a spider gwen or somebody else because spider-man as much as i'm bagging on he's got a lot of misfires in terms of legacy characters he's got some great ones too with miles spider gwen spider-man noir (laughs) spider ham spider ham is the greatest (laughs) of all time no no joke there he's just wonderful I've always been indifferent to Flash Thompson. Like I've always thought the design is cool, but I never had any desire whatsoever to read the actual story arcs with just, him. Yeah, like if you have the quote unquote Venom as your suit, why do you need guns? Because guns sell. Not, yeah, I mean, yeah, but you you get my point. Like it's just whatever, dude. So here's probably my most controversial pick, maybe because. I know a lot of people, this character will probably resonate with him. For some reason, he's always felt very gimmicky to me, and I've never really got on board with him. And that's Jonathan Kent as Superman. Mm. Uh, The son of Clark Kent and Lois Lane grows up to be Superman. I think there's there's a variety of factors. To me, Clark Kent is Superman. Like, you've got Elseworlds. You've got, like, Kelvin Ellis, who is probably going to be the one that they make the new Superman movie about. You've had Elseworlds. Jonathan Kent just has never done it for me. And also, the current stuff that they're doing with him in the comics also doesn't help of, hey, he was a kid, now we're going to rapidly age him up very, very quickly so we can make him, whether he wants to be or not, the new Superman. Like, what's wrong with Clark? Why do we have to rapidly age up this character just 
to make him the new Superman. Like there to me with Jonathan Kent, I'm hoping this changes with Tom Taylor's run. It it never felt like there was a justifiable reason why Jonathan had to be a mature adult when there was still plenty of interesting storytelling possibilities of young father Clark Kent stories to tell there of like Clark is the original Jonathan Kent. Like there's interesting stories to be told there, but we had to push those aside to make way for this new up and coming kid. That's going to be the face of Superman. I'm like, what's wrong? Why are you trying to fix what's not broken here with Clark? Like, why do we have to keep trying to change Superman to fit into a very specific mold? Like, the character has worked for decades. Why do we feel the need over the past decade or so to change him and do something else? I just, I've never been a fan of that. I'm with you. Uh, that actually uh, puts me into my, ne- my, my, uh, my next one really, really well. Uh, you know what is something that I never knew I didn't want? Hulk with a Jimmy Neutron hair. Say what? I have you heard of Amadeus Cho? Yes. As the Hulk. Yes. yes, he showed up on a lot of my list that I was doing for research on this. I... Now, I will preface this by saying I have read maybe one issue with him in it. But I just hate... Just... <laughs> Hulk with a bowhawk just looks weird and looks dumb, and I hate it. Like he and should be he, named Kyle or something, and he's just yeah, punching drywall. Just, like he's Kyle a monster. Smash. He's a walking monster advertisement. Oh, I just like, and I'm sure that there's some rep- there's a conversation about res- representation that needs to be that can be had and stuff like that as far as why they changed it, blah blah blah. I don't, I don't care for it. I don't care for it. Yeah, I, I can see it. But again, I can't really speak too well because I haven't read a lot of... I know I've heard of the character, but not overly familiar with it. Yeah, I know you are familiar with this character. And it is single-handedly the worst Batman character of all time, dating back I, to 1993, I believe. Um, so... It's a very, very famous Batman story that was even partially kind of adapted for Dark Knight Rises of Bane comes along and breaks Batman's back. Well, Batman's going to be knocked out of commission for a while and Gotham needs a Batman. We're going to make Dick Grayson Batman, right? Because that would just make sense. Nope. We've got to get somebody completely outside of the Bat family named Jean-Paul Valley. Oh, God, I hate Jean Valjean. But see how much I hate him. I can't even say his name Bro, correctly. No, he's he's the last one on my list too. So yeah, like I detest this. Jean Paul Valley is so bad. He was everything wrong with '90s comics because in the '90s was a dark phase for comic books, not just Marvel but also DC. There was a lot of uh, the villains winning. It was also around the same time that Superman died at the hands of Doomsday. It was a lot of edgy dark material just for the sake of it and not the best storytelling and also there's a lot of artwork from the 90s that i just think is terrible and part of that comes again with jean paul valley he has look it up for those that haven't seen just google batman nightfall the suit that he wears is so egregiously bad and 90s with this like 
Batman is supposed to hide in the shadows, right? Then why are you wearing bright gold bling throughout your whole suit with random Wolverine claws, a full face cover with, like, red eyes or something? It's so gaudy and loud and, like, the opposite of Batman in every sense of the word. It looks so bad. Nightwing has had some bad suits, particularly in the 90s, but nothing has even gotten remotely bad as Jean Paul Jean Paul Valley's Batman suit. Oh, and also on top of that, you know, the one thing Batman's supposed to not do, except in Batman versus Superman, which is, you know, kill people. Oh, he just does willy nilly. And I get it's from a story perspective of Bruce Wayne has to come back and put new Batman in his place, but maybe Batman shouldn't have put this guy in position of power in the first place. And yeah. it's almost like the writer's going, Yes, we wanna get new readers in with this edgy Batman. Batman's already one of the edgiest comic book characters. To make him edgier, it just screams junior high notice me peace. Like, I hate jean Pal Valley so much. And like, just on top of everything, wasn't he the one that like legitimately physically abused, uh, is it either Dick Grayson or like, he, whatever Robin was at the time. Tim. It was he, Tim like, at the time. Yeah, he legitimately like beat the crap out of him on like almost an issue basis. Like it was not like there was at one point, like it, the only time I only issue I read of nightfall involved Jean Paul legitimately like beating Robin almost to a pulp for no reason. And other than Robin screwed up or something, I don't remember exactly, but I was just so like, what is this? This is, stupid what no yeah i there's never been a batman incarnation like i would rather have jason todd when he was batman for a little bit wielding two guns and shooting people in the face i would probably rather have that than john pal valley because at least jason was trained by batman and kind of is in the bat family flaws and all john pal valley was basically like a complete outsider that still to this day makes no sense as to why he was even included in the comics and hasn't really been mentioned since because they know how much of a mistake character he was so i've got one more but was this your last one josh yeah that, that was my last one i i unfortunately couldn't come up with a lot of like ones that i absolutely hated but then again i'm not as well read as you are so there's one. Even though, like, I know, like, Daredevil stories that you've never heard of, which is so weird. That's because you read more Daredevil. I'm, I've never That's been the fair. biggest Daredevil fan. That's um, fair. No. As John Pal Valley, I've read more issues with him. There's only one story that I've read that involves this one, but I know this was allowed to go on for way too long and overshadowed a good chunk of the actual Spider-Verse story arc. And that is, I'm not making this up on a sadist, people. Doc Ock as Spider-Man. Like... So, for a while, the actual Peter Parker died, but he put... uh, But the consciousness of Doc Ock was put into the body of Peter Parker. So, basically, Doc Ock was using Peter Parker's dead body, almost, to be the superior Spider-Man. And it was so bad like there they tried to make doc ock a redeeming character like he wasn't a full-on murderer or anything but he still had some doc ock tendencies but tried to more or less 
you can't really merge the characters of Doc Ock and Spider-Man. They're they're supposed to be polar opposites. They're both brilliant minds, but one uses it for evil, one uses it for good. Just saying it, Doc Ock as Spider-Man, sounds just wrong. Thankfully, the real Spider-Man comes along and punches his face out in the end of the Spider-Verse story arc. But also, this was around the same time, if I remember correctly, that Spider-Man was the head of Parker Industries, which I've always hated this so for a while in the comics i don't think it's the case anymore but peter parker was basically tony stark in that he had his own tech company it was the ceo of it and had its big old building and everything i'm just like you're missing the point here of what spider-man is and that was the doc ock thing was in the middle of that of like really being aimless for direction for spider-man like as much as into the spider-verse is like a really famous spider-man story arc there's a lot of tangent, tangential storylines that are just not that interesting to me because it's just so far off from Spider-Man. But just saying it on paper and even just reading it on the page, Doc Ock as Spider-Man, just it just is wrong. It's just not right. And I know that they're doing it just like, it'll just be that much more cathartic when the real Spider-Man comes along and beats him. Just like, I had the same issues with... Um, Nightwing when he lost his memory and was basically just Rick Grayson for two and a half years like if you drag this on too long you'll lose people and the actual payoff won't be worth it I've always said you can beat your hero down so long as the ultimate victory is just as cathartic as all the pain and hell that they went through this was not worth it this was just a bad decision all around intended to boost sales but it was just a horrible idea yeah it's Spider-Man has gone through a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Now, to wrap um, things up, we kind of want to do like just one or two quick ones of do we see any legacy characters becoming the next like Miles Morales or the next big deal? Cuz I can think of at least one that I'm pretty sure is on both Josh and I's ideas of if you do this right, he's not the original version, but he's probably nowadays more popular than the original version because the original version Ted Cord was not that interesting. He was kind of a goofy white guy. But you put Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle oh. in a movie. Oh. And that that could have a Miles Morales effect on people. Be still my heart. I love and not only if they do Jaime, but if they pair him up with with a live action static shock, I'm just I might cry. Like legitimately cuz that's I can see it happening. Oh, it's so good. Um, and I think actually uh, the what I said earlier about Kate Bishop and Shuri um, being po- poised to take up those mantles, I think that they could potentially as well be a part of this conversation as far as what will the mainstream audience know who is uh, as this is the person under that under that mantle. Yeah. Um. I think if I can think of any others. Can you think of any others besides those? Uh, for me, it's just Blue Beetle really is because I think like Miles Morales, if you do it correctly, you reach a demographic that has not been reached yet from a movie standpoint of you guys can be heroes too. You can be represented well on the big screen. Um, Damian Wayne could be the next great legacy character. No. no. No, there's admittedly Damien has come a long way, but he's still a long way off from being a character that I 
like or enjoy. Um, yeah. But what do you guys think? What are some like ultimate legacy characters, incarnations of comic book characters um, that came along later that you like almost just as much as the originals, whether it's a Sam Wilson, Captain America, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, Wally West Flash. Let us know in the comments below. We always like hearing from you guys. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube at Uncharted Media. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.